born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. But anyway, we're in the book of Romans. Book of Romans, so turn there. Chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And... uh, we're starting there in verse 8. We just finished talking about the, the government, the government, and um, how we have a responsibility to the government. And yes, we're supposed to pay taxes, but I believe we ought to pay constitutional taxes. I don't like what they've done today and how things are. And I uh, believe most of it is wrong. I believe most of the things that we're supporting are wrong. And, uh, but people do what they want to do. It's interesting watching some of the debates going on back and forth about the debt limit and all that stuff, you know. People say, well, Congress ought to do it like the individuals have to do it. They probably are. Most people are in debt, too, and uh, overextend. And so that's why we have politicians that overextend, because that's where they came from. And uh, they don't know how to budget themselves as they should. So there's a lot of things that's going on. And... Uh, we're not going to probably change too much of whatever happens. We're just going to have to live with the powers that be. And there's consequences to our decisions about obeying everything that government says. And uh, there's a great price to pay, just like in the times of uh, when Christ was here. Christ suffered at the hands of government. And the disciples, they suffered at the hands of government. And uh, Joseph at the hands of government. And as you go on down the line, Daniel, so they suffered at the hands of government. So they didn't always obey everything government said, but they had to pay the price for not doing so. The three Hebrew children, they suffered at the hands of government. So you and I are going to have to pay a price for living in this old world. And, um, and you're going to be wronged a lot of times. But anyway, uh, that's what I'm going to be speaking about in church service. Not about government, but about the things that happens in life. What do you expect? What do you expect out of life? Husband and wife get married, what do you expect? What do you expect? Better or worse? Do you expect it to get better or worse? What did you expect? Richer or poor, do you expect it to get richer or poor? What did you expect? Well, uh, that beautiful wife, did you expect her to get prettier or, or uh, we'll let that go. We'll let that, we've already gone too far. We've gone too far on this. Romans chapter, did you ever think that guy you married was going to get old someday and lose his hair, lose his eyes, lose his teeth, lose his hearing, lose his, uh, well, he'll gain a few things. But I um, told my wife the other day, I'm twice the man she married. What was, what was you saying down there? 
Oh, he's mine. Yeah. Yeah. That's what got him into trouble to start with. When he looked at the girl and said, you know, I have a half a mind to marry you. She said, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. But here in Romans in chapter 13, it says in verse 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. You see, everybody sins against each other because everybody sins. Sin is a wrong that we do. Uh, sin is a wrong that we do against God. And we preached last Sunday about uh, who can forgive sins. Well, if you sin against me, I can forgive you. Because whenever you sin against somebody, see, you owe a debt. You owe somebody a debt when you sin against them. They, they owe you. So now, as a, an individual, you can forgive a person, or if you sin against God, God can forgive. But he can forgive only because, you know, he has the right to forgive on the basis that the sins have been paid for. We sin against each other. We want people to pay. So we want to hurt them back. We want to get even with them because you owe me. You wronged me. So you're in debt to me. You owe me. And um, so it gets kind of ugly at times. And uh, there's people that say, well, we're supposed to just love everybody. Well, I know we're supposed to love. Remember these two great truths. You have one of the greatest truths in all the world is the word truth, the truth itself. Truth is divisive. Because anything that's true divides against anything that's not true. And then you have another word. We call it love. Love is very divisive. Because, you see, when we say love, that means there's things that are not lovable and things that are lovable. And there's things to love and things not to love. So love is a very important word, but is love more important than truth? Or is truth more important than love? So you have people today that are very strong upon doctrine. They're fundamental. And buddy, they'll die for the truth, but they don't have love for anybody. They're just mean and ornery and cantankerous, but they, oh, I'm right. Oh, you may be right, but your attitude or the way you do what you do is so wrong, and it's ugly. Then you have other people who say, well, doctrine is so divisive. We don't need doctrine. We just need love. So there's churches who major on love. Everybody here just loves one another. And if we just love one another, it doesn't matter what anybody believes. Let's just love one another. And yet the Bible says there's supposed to be a division. That if mark them which cause divisions contrary to the doctrine which you have received and avoid them. So God says there's things about why do you think whenever that boy says to the girl, I love you, and she wants to know, do you truly love me? Do you really love me? So we want true love. It's like they both need to go together. So as you study the Word of God, you're studying the doctrine, which is the truth. But the way that it's administered is to be with love. Speaking the truth in what? In love. And so even though you may be right, you may be dead wrong in the way that you stand for truth. So there is a balance that you're supposed to have. So here in the book of Romans it says, Oh, no man anything but love. Because see, we are in debt. We are in debt to love a person. All right, now, what's the problem? 
Well, because we wrong each other, and when we wrong each other, you owe me a debt. You're supposed to pay something because you, you, you did me wrong. You owe me. So forgiven means that I, you don't owe me anymore. You don't have to do anything. You, I forgive you. So the thing about Christianity is that we're supposed to forgive one another. Because God hath for Christ's sake forgiven us. So because we have been forgiven, we are to forgive. So God says it. And then when it comes down to love, everybody thinks about, you know, if everybody, and this is what they're talking about in government now, all of those people that have all these millions of dollars, and there's these people that don't have anything like that. So we ought to take and take their money away from them and give it to the people that don't have. Now that sounds great to the people that don't have. They love the idea. Because if they don't have it and you do, well, I can't take a gun and make you give it to me. But we'll send politicians to Washington, and they can, by the power of the vote and signing of a note, they can take from those rich folks and give it to the poor folks. And everybody says, that sounds fair. Everybody ought to do what's fair. And isn't, isn't it true that Jesus, that Jesus was a, a socialist? Wasn't Jesus a socialist? And they even talk about how the Jesus says that that's what we ought to be and that's what we ought to do. And even talks about the disciples in the early church. Take your Bible and just look there in the book of Acts in chapter 2. The book of Acts in chapter 2. And it seems like, well, if that's the case, then what's wrong with socialism? You know, a redistribution of wealth. Take it from those that have and give it to those who don't have. And uh, that works good until those that have no longer have. And everybody's the same. And then everybody starves together. Because it kills the will of people to work. It kills the will of the people to produce, to invent. This is why in America, whenever you are able to work and keep what you made, you became creative. And America becomes the greatest nation in the world. Because of the power to think, create, to have what you did. And yes, there's things in the Bible about us loving one another. And to love one another as we should is a great thing. But look here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. This is why we believe those who trust Christ as Savior, those that believe, should come together. So you can still be saved if you don't come together, but you ought to come together because that's what God says is things that he wants us to do, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, get to know each other. And he says, do good to everybody in the world, but especially those of the household of faith. And so he says here in verse 45, he says, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. So you see there, that sounds like socialism to me. They sold what they had and brought it to the, and then everybody had equal. Look what else he said. Look here in chapter 4 of the book of Acts. And look in verse 32. 
and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Isn't that a, that's, that's socialism. You say, you mean Christianity teaches socialism? Well, there's a difference. Let me just explain the difference. These are people that did what they did because they chose to do it. It's different when you have a law that says you must do it. It's different whenever I want to help somebody because I choose to help them. But I don't want some law being passed, taking it from me and giving it to whom they will. See, that's what's wrong. And that's not, that's not, the Bible does not teach socialism. But it does teach loving one another and caring for one another and these things. And the apostles and all that, yes, they did it, but they did it willingly because they wanted to. Socialism is not by choice. It'll be by force. And that's why it is wrong. And our country was never designed to be a socialistic country. That's why when they started into the entitlement programs and so forth, you begin to teach and go toward socialism. And the next step is communism. We're heading toward a dictatorship. And, for example, if you'll remember, I said not long ago, it's not going to be long before we will see bloodshed in the streets of America just like they have in other countries, because they're going to come the clash. There will be people who will think that the only way to stop it, it will be by bloodshed. There was a story in the paper yesterday about some man on some island that killed about 87 people in Norway. 87 people. And... In the paper, it gave his title of a recognition. He is a, a fundamental conservative. I think, I don't know if it had the word Christian in it or not. I don't remember. But that's what he was. And he didn't like or something. I haven't read the whole thing to get it truth. But uh, something about that he was sick and tired of the Islam and power and the taking over and nobody doing anything about it. And they're training. So he's going to do People will take matters into their own hands. And what happened there, sooner or later, you watch and see, it'll happen right here in America. Because people will not trust their government and they'll become like vigilantes and do whatever they want to do. And it'll become detrimental to everybody else because I just want America to be a peaceful country where we love each other and get along. But there's people, whether we like it or not, that want to enslave us and take away our freedoms. And if they can't storm the gates, they're going to infiltrate. And now we have people that have gone into our colleges and universities and teaching socialism and communism. And now they have worked their way up through the ranks, and now they're in our governments, in the states, and now they're in the government in Washington. And they moved all the way up into the presidency. And we have what's going on. The biggest difference you see right now is because if you are of an ideology that government 
is the answer to everything, then you want a powerful government that rules the people. And then you'll have others who believe that the people are to rule themselves. And we don't have rulers in America. We don't have a king. We don't have a, you know, dictator over us. The people are free. The people are the rulers. We have servants. Those are our servants. But they seem tight. I think they forget this. And so we put the Constitution in there. And that is to be the chains, not upon the people, but the chains upon Congress, saying this is what you can and cannot do. And so they're violating their agreement. They're violating the Constitution. And so things are getting worse and worse and worse. And that's the way it's supposed to go. But whenever you do not honor, and your word means zero, and you have a different philosophy in a government, something has to happen. And so it's coming to a head. It's going to come to a clash. But um, just so that you see that, there's one thing whenever people love one another and I'm supposed to help one another because I choose to do so, that's not wrong. But if I was to take him as the pastor, I'm going to make a law to be a, a member of this church. You've got to sell everything that you have and give it to me. Isn't that a good idea? No, it's not a good idea. And that dog won't hunt. And you'd be hanging me. And uh, no, I'm not going to Guyana, and I'm not going to have you drink Kool-Aid. And you need to be smart enough that you don't blindly follow anybody. But to know the Word of God and to believe in the Word of God is so very important. So look there in verse 8 again, where he says, For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And then he gets into showing you a couple things about the law. These are sins against your neighbor. As you go down through here and you see these things, these are sins that we commit against our neighbor, against one another. And he says, for this thou shalt not commit adultery, because to commit adultery is to sin against your neighbor. And thou shalt not kill, that is a sin against your neighbor. And thou shalt not bear false witness, because that is a sin against your neighbor. Thou shalt not covet what your neighbor had, because that's a sin against your neighbor. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this one saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Because if you love, then love, true love, doesn't do harm to anybody. You see, if I love my wife, then I'll be true to my wife. If I love my kids, I'll be true to my children. You see, I want to be the best husband that I can be. I want my wife to be the best wife that she can be. I want her to be the best little mother she can be, the best grandmother those kids could ever have had. Because, you see, that's what love does. Love also covers a multitude of sins. And what I mean by that is that everyone in this room has a sinful nature. Even though you trusted Christ as your Savior, you're still God's child. You're going to heaven when you die. But God never did away with your old sinful nature. You can still get mean and ugly, can't you? You can still covet and still be rebellious and still be challenging to authority. You can do all those things. You can be just as mean and ugly as you've always been, even before you knew anything about the Lord. God gave you a new birth, but he didn't take away the old one. 
And because of this old sinful nature we have, we say and do a lot of things that we shouldn't. And so because of that, God says, forgive one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. It means you cut them a little slack. You don't demand perfection from each other. You see with one eye and hear with one ear. And you try not to be overexcited or really down and depressed. But learn how to be stabilized in your Christian life. Because you know you're going to wrong people. You're going to offend people. People are going to offend you. Okay, so now what's new? You know that. If you want it perfect, you might as well. That's in heaven. Heaven will do everybody right. Okay? We're not there yet. Here we still wrong each other. And because of that, we're supposed to learn from the Word of God how to let the grace of God give us the strength to forgive. Because when somebody wrongs you, they owe you for that. And you try to make them pay. I'll make you pay for that. I'll get even with you because you know it's not even. We want to justify. We've got to make things right. And we can't in this lifetime make things right. You are going to be hurt. You are going to be offended. You are going to be defrauded. You already know that. Accept it. And keep living for the Lord. If you don't, you're in for a very miserable life. But it says down here in verse 10, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. So whenever you look at the Ten Commandments there in the book of Exodus, uh, you'll find out out of the ten, the first four refer to your relationship to the Lord, and the last six to man. So that's why when they were asked, what is the greatest commandment to Jesus? And he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. That was the first love. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor. Because if I can love God the way I should, and love others the way I should, wouldn't it be wonderful life to live? But your love must be true love. You're to love according to truth. And that's why there's a lot of times churches who don't care about, well, doctrine just causes a lot of divisions. But doctrine, the Bible talks about to have sound doctrine. Talking about the mind of man. Because what you believe determines how you live. And if you don't believe right, you won't live right. So you have to know the truth. And when you know the truth, you'll learn how to discern right from wrong. And then God says, I want you to love the things of God. I want you to love one another. I don't want you to love the things of the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust uh, of pride of life and so forth. So there's things that you can discern better. So true love works. But most people, they want to try to divide those two as though they're in competition. They're not in competition. Truth and grace came by Jesus Christ. And so when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Free to love the way you should. Because you see, sin enslaves and traps. And so he says in verse 10, uh, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. See, if everybody loved each other, we wouldn't have to have laws. Because nobody would be robbing each other. Nobody would be killing each other. Because of sin, we have laws. 
And what are the laws for? To make you pay for your sin. To make you pay for what you did. Pay for your crime. There used to be a little sign that used to always say, you know, crime doesn't pay until politicians find out it does too. Crime does pay. But you and I know that in the long run, crime doesn't pay. Because there's a God in heaven that will make sure and see that everything is done right. So now he says there, to the believer, to us, he says, and that knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You see, there's a time coming. We always talk about you're saved, saved, saved. There's a song that we sing, save, save, save. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were saved from the penalty of sin, which was death and hell. You were saved. So I've already been saved from the penalty of sin. So I don't have to worry about that. That's already taken care of. So I never have to go to hell, never have to pay for my sins, because Christ paid for it. Why should I pay for a sin he already paid for? And since he paid for all of them, there's none left for me to pay for. So I have been saved. Not that I'm going to be, I've already been saved. Now, we talk about saved, saved, saved. I am now in my life while I'm living, since I've trusted Christ as my Savior. God says that he wants me to learn his word and the power of the Holy Spirit living in my life to help deliver me from the power of sin in this life. See, sin is very powerful. This old sinful nature I've got, uh, very, very powerful. Uh, he's had his own way for so many years, and he still wants to bring me down. And he's very rebellious. It's, that's my old sinful nature when I was born the first time into this world. And God said, I want to give you the power to live a life over sin so that sin doesn't have to dominate my life. So do I want to live a godly life? Of course I do. And so that's why now I am being saved from the power of sin in my life. And sometimes as Christians, we fail. We don't always yield to the Lord. We don't always have victory in our Christian life. But see, that never goes back to this. This is settled. This is done. Now I'm working on this one because this is where we call, this is my sanctification. You see, I have been sanctified, made pure and holy in Christ. But in my life, I'm supposed to live according to how God sees me. I have already been justified. I've been sanctified. Now God wants me to live that way. Live a Christian life that's pleasing to the Lord. And so I am being saved from the things in this world by living for the Lord. See, I know this. For the last 51 years, since I started serving the Lord and doing what God wants me to do, there's an awful lot of sins that I didn't commit because I did what was right. Now, there are some that I have done, and as a child of God, see, I still, as a child of God, I'm supposed to talk to the Lord and own up to it and say, Lord, that was sin, that was wrong. That's called confessing. It means to name it and call it what it is. Don't cover it. Don't try to hide from it. Don't try to run from it. You're to be honest, truthful. Lord, I sinned against you. I got angry. I said things I shouldn't have said. And Lord, I know that according to your word, you forgive me for that. This is for your fellowship between you and the Lord. This is so you can keep walking with the Lord. And one day when Christ comes back in the air, he's going to save us 
from the very presence of sin. So there's the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. So one day when the Lord comes back in the air, I'm going to be delivered out of this world. And that's why he says, he says, your salvation, this one, is nearer than whenever you first believed. See, this one's already been done. This is where I'm at now. And this is what's coming yet down the road. Would take my place. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me